Orb presents Tag Sale. You're it. This is Gary Butterfield. This is Cole Ross. This is Zach Hamblin. Here we are. Here we are. No refunds. Yeah, uh, talking about a big episode mm-hmm. uh, this yeah. week. And as you heard, we're joined by a guest, Zach. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having Hello. me on. Yeah, it's good to have uh, you here. Good oh, to be Zach. here. Yes. Yes, it <laughs> is. <laughs> okay. In the, uh, good to know. Uh, you don't have to make Zach. that call right now. You can wait till the end. We're not going to force oh, you to decide. How. All right. Yeah. yeah. The, your receipt will have a little a uh, little place where you can take a survey. Are, are, these, yeah, yeah. are the shackles supposed to make my back hurt quite this much? Or is am I supposed to have a little bit more wiggle room? Um, no, they are supposed to make your back hurt, but you look so good, dude. Yeah. Like oh, they, well, uh, thank they, you. They really, thank really you. make yeah, your yeah. eyes pop. And yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, shackles make your eyes pop. The, um, <laughs> yeah, the, the uh, Zach is uh, a writer um, mm-hmm. who we know uh, because he's a uh, part of our community and also has reviewed this show for the AV Club. Um, Zach, can you talk a little bit about uh, how you got you know your relationship with this show, mm-hmm. um, what you do, and why you chose this episode? Cool. Uh, well, it's actually it's kind of a it's well, I'll, I'll let you decide if it's a funny story. Um, the uh, uh, this it started back when uh, the AV Club first started doing um, TV club style reviews. Uh, I was doing I was just working as a freelance book reviewer at the time. Um, I think I'd been on for like maybe three or four months, um, and I was very eager to get into the TV club stuff because it sounded much more my jam. Um, like the books were fine, but basically you had to like read a book a week, and it mm. could be very. It was it was a, a large amount of it was a big demand, especially I was working like two other jobs at the time. Um, so I really wanted to get involved in the TV club stuff. And it, like it had a chattier approach to the writing, too. So uh, so I, I kept pitching and um, they decided they were going to have somebody cover Adult Swim. Um, this was very early on in the days of TV club when they hadn't really settled into the rhythm of doing uh, one episode or do, covering series. They were just trying to figure out the format. So basically they had me for maybe god i think it was like two or three months covering everything that aired on adult swim on saturday and sunday nights oh wow that, that's a lot so saturday nights was anime night yeah uh, mm-hmm. so i started on with like half a dozen different shows like near the tail end of like death note um and like two or three other shows all of which have been going on for a couple of years all of which were like three quarters of the way through their main plot oh. and i was trying to review them and i had no idea what was going on <laughs> no context at all Oh, yeah. And on Sunday nights, um, I the whole reason I got the gig was because I pitched wanting to write for Venture Brothers because I love the show. Mm-hmm. And Sunday nights, I couldn't just write about the Venture Brothers. I also had to write about Squidbillies and Assy McGee. And uh, right. God, like, I think those are the two worst ones. But like, how do you review Assy McGee? Like, how do you what, what do you <laughs> exactly. say? Beyond just it's it's an anthropomorphic. Uh, anthropomorphic ass that shoots people, I think. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. That, there's, your, there's your opening. There's your thesis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, yeah. Uh, if, if, God, if I had a time <laughs> machine. Uh, and it sucked because I was basically watching like, like two or three hours and then having to try and write. And it was especially frustrating with the Venture Brothers because I really just wanted to talk about the Venture Brothers. But I had to like go through and then have a couple of paragraphs about God. Uh, oh, I, <laughs> I did Metalocalypse and that was fine. But, well, that's um, fine. Yeah. 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 What's so the 12-ounce mouse up to <laughs> these days? Um, yeah. yeah, it it was it was uh it was like 
basically like like with the period of time where I didn't really understand. I don't know. I was so grateful to be working and doing writing for the AV Club, which I've been a fan for for years. That I don't think I really understood what a reasonable expectation was because I think I was getting paid like maybe fifty bucks a review, Mm -hmm. maybe. (laughs) Um, And and like it was it was so much work for just covering stuff that was nonsense. Um, (laughs) But I I really wanted to do the Venture Brothers because um, I I hadn't really caught into the show in the first season. Um, I think I'd seen a couple of early episodes and. I get kind of uncomfortable with like the sort of aggressive kind of cruelty comedy that was kind of of the times. And um, I at first kind of put off because it just seemed like, oh, it was just they're basically just making a joke about how dumb Johnny Quest is. And it's and I get it, but I didn't really find it as funny. Um, Mm -hmm. And I didn't really understand that there was anything else going on. And then I think weirdly enough, I think at the time, um, the end of the first season was actually what kind of pulled me back in because it had such a unexpectedly dark ending and then the second season, the way they picked that up, um, I was pretty much in love with the show from then on. Um, <laughs> and I, the, the reason I picked this episode is it, it legitimately is the only the only episode that I clearly remembered from the first season. Yeah. Um, and I've actually been rewatching along with you guys because I've been I've listening to Orb, which which by the way has been has been great. Um, thank, you thank already you. have me on, so but it's yeah, it's been really fun to revisit this stuff. And um, and uh, the third season does hold up a lot better than I remember it. And there are a lot of episodes that I actually really like. But Tag Cellurate to me is it's um, oh, God, I, I mentioned the name of the episode. I'm so sorry. No, no, um, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but like Tag Cellurate is is the first episode that really hits this feeling of like the hangout vibe that that is what I love the most, I think, about the Venture Brothers. Um, well, we'll get into, like, obviously we'll get into it later. But I, I think the reason that I picked it is it just it, it captured something that, that felt new to the show for the first time because a lot of the stuff that they were doing a lot of the jokes that they've been doing up to this point a lot of that theater cruelty stuff um wasn't incredibly new like the idea of pointing out superheroes could be kind of stupid wasn't the most brilliant idea in the world it didn't have legs to it and kind of pointing out that johnny quest was kind of wouldn't it be funny if it was real life is it it goes it's like a good it's a good joke but it only goes so far Mm -hmm. and watching like tag sell your it it's like this is the show that this is why you watch the show. It's this like is this, what it this, becomes. Yeah, yeah. It's that, yeah, that yeah. feeling of like you're just spending time with these characters and this rich history and these goofballs that you can relate to, and the the stakes are never particularly high. Um, and I just had there's a lot of good gags and and like yeah, well, obviously we'll go, go through the whole thing, but I think I just <laughs> I have a very fond memory of like if I wanted to introduce. I probably would use a later episode because the animation is better. But if I wanted to introduce the show <laughs> to someone using the first season, I would go with this one. Yeah, I mean, this absolutely does nail something that is special to the show, which is the mixture of like the fantastical and the mundane. I mean, just the idea of a buy two get one free death ray table at a yard sale, you know, mm-hmm. and all these people coming in and kind of like looking at the logistical needs for what would have to happen for this. It's like, yeah, no, sign me up for this. Well, the logistical needs, right? So, like the the point that what if Johnny Coast horrible what if superheroes are real it'd be horrible Mm -hmm. is not very original but where you get the kind of gold is when you keep following that thread Uh (laughs) and that's the thing that i think the venture brothers does it's never Mm -hmm. just that that front street joke it keeps saying like what would happen then and what would this be like in new scenarios so this Mm -hmm. you know this episode is not just about this mundanity um it's also like yeah like dr venture has to like has bills to pay though, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. he's shitty. He's born into this thing, into this kind of legacy, but he's not good at it. <laughs> so he does what a normal person would do. You know, he does like, what, what if, uh, what if you were broke 
and you're in the situation you couldn't invent your way out of it. You know, last episode we had conjectural technologies like living in their, uh, you know, in their camper. You know, like yeah, there's probably not a whole lot of business for this stuff. There's going to be people kind of on the margins. Not everybody's going to be Professor Impossible. Impossible it's all. It's, it's, it's like it's also it. It's sort of a, a literal interpretation of what Doc does the entire series is that he's basically taking his father's legacy and reselling it. Like yeah. that's yeah. that's the only movie has <laughs> for pennies on yeah. the dollar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you know, I I, just, I love when he rejects. You know, like Billy's trying to haggle with him, and he gets so proud that he's like, "No, no sale. Guess what? Here, you don't get it." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Cl- classic Doc. Prime yeah, stuff. Yeah. The conflict of that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, real good, 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 uh, good episode. Yeah. Um, it's a Doc Hammer joint, mm-hmm. uh, and this originally came out on October 9th, two thousand four. That fateful day. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, as we, we kind of mentioned the premise of this, um, you know, it's that they're holding a yard sale. Um, I'd never heard the phrase tag sale before. That's regional. So some people, yard sale, garage sale, and tag sale yes. are the three different kinds of uh, sales. And then in the UK, it's a boot sale. Yeah. I always like the boot sale because I guess you, you, you sell it out of, the, out of the trunk of your car. Sorry, yeah, the trunk of your lorry. Up. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the lorry of your... your uh, pram you you show up uh you show up and everybody opens their trunk and sells stuff out of their trunk in like a big field yeah 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 so yeah this is garage sales Mm -hmm. you know there's there's a a lot of history there yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) ever since there was Uh, currency and objects um ever since there were yards yeah but you know they they went with this version for the uh, for, for 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 the pun, um, and this is a really uh, gag heavy episode. Uh, one of the things that I think makes this so uh, notable is that uh, this yard sale is drawing in a ton of dangerous people, and boy, does this give them a chance to really stretch their legs and do fun visual designs and pun names for all of these villains and scientists and stuff. Oh, this yeah. is like, like Jackson it, Public's superpower. Yeah, yeah. How how are yeah. they still doing that after like like seven <laughs> it, seven mm-hmm. seasons? They still have they're still able to pull out like yeah, it's amazing. And like for just gags that you literally will never see most of these characters again. Just mm-hmm. like we just we had a name, we drew something. That's fine. It's just uh, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, it's so good. But yeah. I just I mean the, the um, intangible fancy like when you go to his wiki page the, this character pops up all the time and like a lot of these characters are just riffraff like it's the lower it's the dregs of the guild basically whenever yeah. they need a bunch of people they roll them out and it's very funny. Yeah, I love the intangible fancy. <laughs> um in writing order this is our first Pete White and Billy Quizboy. Mm-hmm. Uh so so we got those uh those you know, show favorites. Yep. <laughs> oh, wow. Guess, you yeah, because they, they like nailed the the characters feel much even clearer than they did like in earlier episodes. Like that the the back and forth between them, the that kind of nerdy like fanboyism. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and the art book, you know, this is a new a new point, but I think that it's real sweet in the interview that they have here for this episode. It's them t- you know, it's public and and hammer talking about how they see themselves in twenty one and twenty four and Pete and Billy and just kind of pointing out that like, oh, whenever we have two dipshits that are that are friends or who talk to each other, we want to be those characters. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, one of one of the big side effects of this show is making me incredibly jealous of that friendship. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just not oh, so I'm not good enough for you, huh? Huh? Yeah, you, you, you'll always be my Billy Quiz boy. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Um, 
<laughs> the uh, what I also love uh, in the commentary they talk about after season one, they were told to stop using those characters yep. <laughs> uh, when they got picked up. <laughs> just like, and they were just like, no, no. they're actually going to be incredibly important. Uh, they, <laughs> they actually do that again with Sergeant Hatred. Um, I, cause yeah. I, I, I actually I got to interview them a couple of times and like they actually literally just said, oh, he makes everybody uncomfortable. Oh, and the Moppets, too. If they make you uncomfortable, if people are objecting. Yeah, we're screw it. We're just going to keep putting. But yeah, yeah uh, I got that. That that, uh, that kind of churlishness is really great to me, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because it's it, it's a kind of a, they're assured and confident in their instincts. Like they think Pete White and Billy Quizboy are great, and and also Gary thinks that as well. Yeah, and who cares what some dude at Adult Swim thinks? Yeah. You know? Make <laughs> the show directly the... for me. Yeah, um, they're, they're just like the people who been. put it on television. What do they matter? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Just just real, uh, real good. There's also a bunch of other first, like first uh, Phantom Limb mm-hmm. on this. Like I yeah. had no idea he would turn out to be as important as he does. Um, really, really monumental episode. Uh, great Hank episode for Hank <laughs> just putting on a costume and pretending. Uh-huh. Um, and just his weird little internal life, uh, you know, that he has. Yeah, uh, you got you guys have uh, you talked about it before, but yeah, that joke never gets old. Like it, mm-hmm. they do it the whole run of the series, and it is the one of the it is still one of the most perfect jokes. Like I, I, I mean, if you if it comes up in any context, I am always in, I will always enjoy watching a character take an improv or take a a fiction inside the fiction like completely seriously it's amazing way too far <laughs> yeah and yeah. and just in his invented backstory that he's just expecting everybody to go along with mm-hmm. um yeah uh, and also you know he calls a, a sandwich a grinder so this is very yeah. regional because very. that's also a a weird little regional name for a sub i never heard grinder before no on this episode oh, oh yeah i think they i think they use that here in maine i definitely heard it before yeah no um uh homer uh calls it uh it's like oh a sub I, i'm tired of eating subs i want to eat a hoagie i want to have a grinder uh, I, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for me they're always subs yeah you know no same same it's... out of out of all those i think a hoagie is the least appetizing sounding one yeah like grinder sounds, sounds like, like he like should a... be in thunderdome but yeah, like Hoagie like sounds a... like he should be in Thunderdome as well in a worse way. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh but yes, the Hank Coe's. I mean, it's the first appearance of Hank Co, of course. Um yeah. and Hank weirdly being a good businessman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very, very uh ruthless businessman at yes. the very least. Yes. Yeah. Uh so do we do we want to get into it? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do. So uh the cold open here. Uh, in the commentary, they say, oh, God, this is drag ass. And, yeah, it's a lot of setup, but it's a good joke. I like that we have all of these Secret Service agents getting ready for what seems to be a really, you know, high stakes mission. Uh, you know, up to the point where, like, Brock says, you know, if we play our cards right, we might see sunrise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they also think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they just read. It's really yep. it. um, every time brunette Hank is there. I'm just like, what? That's a, a strange off brand Hank, yeah. that rare Pepe or whatever that's in the background. Um, there's a little like the joke here about him being having this fetish for putting everybody into a dress, yeah, is real weird. Like, yeah. I can see how it works on the page. Well, but... I, I, I think it works for me because I was, I, I watched this with uh, with uh, with Caroline, uh, the Sorry, my my fiance Caroline. She and I watch all this stuff together, mm-hmm. um, and we were talking about it, and we like we kind of settled on 
um the show definitely does do humor like that that doesn't always work or sometimes it's more questionable but to me this this bit worked because it actually made him more specific as a character because it was his fixation on it like nobody seemed particularly horrified at the idea of having to wear a dress necessarily it's more that he's just very very he determined keeps bringing it up yeah, yeah to get somebody in a dress before we get through the day like it's <laughs> it, it, it makes it like a, a weird quirk as opposed to just oh the joke is isn't it funny to see a guy in a dress I think that the yeah yeah I, I agree with that. I think the thing that makes the joke f- feel strange for me is how drawn out it is. Yeah, like yeah. there there are large portions of non joke in the middle of this joke. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. That keeps like, coming up. Like yeah, it's just very strange. Like it is a little drag ass, but it is uh, it's cute. Yes. Um, as a reveal. Yeah, especially when you know when Brock gives them the you know the go ahead and you know talks about dividing dividing the perimeter up into quadrants and the the strong quadrant will observe the weak strong, uh, quadrant and stuff like that and then he gives the thumbs up and then we reveals what the mission is just we've got hank and dean over by the compound gates pounding in the uh the guard sale sign (laughs) um Mm -hmm. you know letting the event begin which is the event of the season uh turns out or at least that's the way the monarch uh sees this yeah Every everyone's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love I love the idea of like all these all these like B tier villains just being social butterflies, like just desperate to sort of sit around and gossip and backbite each other, and they have to <laughs> you have to keep up appearances. Like it's so fitting with the whole concept of Venture Brothers, and that this is all just a game. Like this is their consequences are always serious, but it is really just they're playing dress up all the yeah, time. This is how we play. Yeah, like GI Joe. Yeah, we <laughs> shoot above each other's heads. Yeah. The um, absolutely mm-hmm. um, the monarch mobile is real weird. Uh, yeah. This is a weird incarnation of it. The weird beetle shaped monarch mobile looks like a Protoss unit. I prefer one of the. I prefer I prefer the one that's just an actual car. Yeah, like yeah, just uh, yeah. Uh, and then this uh, this begins, you know, twenty one and twenty four. Uh, again, like kind of early appearance of them um here and like real standout line for me that you know we're talking about where they do these things where they're arguing and you don't know what they're arguing about until somebody calls it out mm-hmm. uh that is a joke i always like yeah mm-hmm. uh, where it seems like people are talking nonsense um and talking about their crazy fantasy fist fight between Anne frank and lizzie borden <laughs> um so uh really good uh and frank as we we all know uh-huh. uh but then lizzie borden was one of the first uh lady uh female killers not somebody who killed female but was a female yeah killed, yeah was an axe murderer mm-hmm. um you infamous, know and uh, uh infamous yeah, story infamous parents 40 wax mm-hmm. yep Probably because they horribly abused her. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. It, it's pretty good. Yeah. There, fun. <laughs> there's a good, uh, there's a good stuff you should know episode about the case of Lizzie Borden. Actually, <laughs> that uh, good, yeah. goes into the, the 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 ways that that's more complicated than the legend uh, made it made it seem. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just the, the just the the idea that you would that you would put them against each other and just talking about like, oh, but she's a scrapper. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> She's a survivor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, just I, I, I'm fairly certain I've mentioned this before on a show, uh, but one time in high school we went and saw a play version of uh, the Diary of Anne Frank. Okay. Um, in uh, in my little podunk town, at our little art theater, and one of the like you know bad kid class clown kids mm-hmm. you know like all we like you know i was funny in high school but everybody hated me and then there were the kids who like who were funny but then they skateboarded Everybody right 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 um 
at one point, you know, they have the really tense scene where Anne Frank is up in the attic and then the Nazis come come down and he stood up and yelled, she's in the attic, you dumb Nazis <laughs> uh, in the theater. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it was very, very uncomfortable. And he got taken out of the theater. Of course, of so, course he did. <laughs> yeah, he got escorted out. <laughs> um, it just the, 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 the semiotics of, of doing that is very funny because he's kind of helping them, but also like, you idiots. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to figure out where to fall on that one, actually. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I'm laughing because it's shocking, but also. Ah. He's a weird flex. Yeah. Uh, Grant Kirsten is oh. the name of that kid, I think. Okay. So. Do you want to be, be able to dox him? No, yeah, I mean, okay. it's just, it's just a, a name and a last name. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to say where he lives. I don't even know if he's still alive. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe he was maybe, maybe he never came back to the, from the theater after they took him out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. My, uh, my, so anyway, Monarch tells them to shut up. Um, you yeah. know, saying we have to take this seriously. Everybody's going to be there. You know, don't uh, do, do not embarrass me as they're driving in. Um, and Hank and Dean are doing something that was always a fixture of like when my when family had yard sales was like, oh, why are you selling this? Why are you selling this thing? Yeah. Come on. No, mm-hmm. I use this all the time. You never use that, but it's mine. Um, Dean, uh, D- Dean doesn't want them to sell his Mr. Microphone. Well, and his his like uh, Princess Etheria or whatever. Oh, yeah uh action figure mm-hmm. you know that's a, the first joke is just him playing with dolls and then it's the mr microphone yes um where he says a bunch of lines from convoy <laughs> uh there um that's you know again very fun uh brock comes over and tries to tell rusty like hey we shouldn't do this mm-hmm. um you know this is this is ridiculous and uh rusty is obviously downplaying it yeah yeah uh, it's like if you can think of a if you can think of a better way to make some quick money off of my dad's junk you tell me um and brock of course is right about this although like things would not have gone poorly if if monarch was able to use the restroom so you know yeah. we'll see i got his groove you know yeah, yeah. i feel like in yeah. like a in like a later season they would have done something where somebody would buy something in a scene and we would forget about it for two episodes and then it would come back and feature it into the finale mm-hmm. um because here here yeah. it's just sort of it ends in a big ruckus fight a ruckus fight what am i like from the 1930s um <laughs> it's, a, yeah, it's a fight it's a fight it, ruckus. It, it, it's a rumpus it's a rumpus um <laughs> yeah but like like it's yeah I got nothing. I, I finished the sentence there. No, yes. no, no. It, it's a, well, they would, they would have uh, definitely done that. And it's also very endemic of the season one, like timed in the episode now, Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, energy, like, okay, we did our joke. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, we got places to be. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it just, does just kind of end. No. It's not like if Monarch had gone to the bathroom because he came in, you know, intending to start trouble. Yeah. Um, when he goes to the checkpoint in a little moment, he like slips in his, uh, his wrist shooter. Yeah. His little dark, uh, dark gun thing. So, yeah. yeah. He, he wants to do some arching while he's here. Just a little bit of uh, arching mm-hmm. on the side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, everybody else seems pretty committed to, uh, committed to, to, to behaving though. Except yeah, for the fact that they're being great. Yeah. Except for the <laughs> fact that they're buying very dangerous things again from the laser yeah. death ray bargain bin. Uh, but yeah, the villain, like the villains and scientists are all lined up at the, uh, security checkpoint. And I love how mm-hmm. catty Marnark is. Oh God. We, the, all the interactions between him and Dr. Girlfriend are amazing in this episode. Yeah. Very, very lived in. Uh, and just an incredibly quotable episode, like yeah. the delivery on Depeche Mode, like Depeche <laughs> Mode, uh, is something I think about a lot. Um, you know, the famous line where it's like they see the guy from Depeche Mode, which first of all, why is the guy from Depeche Mode uh, coming he to wants buy a shrink ray, dude? <laughs> he wants a shrink ray. Yeah, <laughs> you know, truly the black celebration can begin. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
and uh you know he's gonna do that but then also just you know isn't he's there with a woman isn't he gay mm-hmm. come on he's in depeche mode uh right. that felt very like a very lived-in conversation to me mm-hmm. um i saw a thing on the vh1 you know, <laughs> on the vh1 <laughs> yeah uh um yeah and then uh pete and billy uh are kind of rumor mongering mm-hmm. about them yeah talk yeah. rumor mongering about dr girlfriend go ahead zach no, I just it's interesting how much how the, the the joke with Dr. Girlfriend's voice is something that they use in the first season and it's like kind of a joke and they occasionally reference it and then it's sort of as the show goes on because it stops being funny, it just no one actually questions the voice anymore. Because yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. the the joke they have here, which I think is kind of implying that that she might have been that she, that, that there might be something else going on there. Um yeah, yeah. it just it feels it feels okay for Pete and Billy just because of the way they are, but it also feels like a kind of humor that they eventually put beside, which is which is go- cool because Doctor Girlfriend is one of the the more the one of the like the most well adjusted characters on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, this, the conversation is great. It 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 like the the specific the way it starts that specific joke about Doctor Girlfriend feels odd, but the the payoff about the. Um, the, the baboon uterus and like the, the face <laughs> what was it, the face on the, the appendix or something on a well-known um, celebrity oh yeah, yeah it's just, it's just <laughs> yeah. chef kiss yeah, yeah. well i mean it's just, just, just billy being me being plugged into this uh to this rogue surgery world that he is i like that. yeah 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 secret surgeries yeah but but uh, like even beyond this like the idea you know they're, they're they're looking at they're looking at monarch and dr girlfriend uh, but they're jealous, like you know, like that's kind of a strain that's going to be running through this, which is like, oh gosh, you know, Doctor Venture is so lucky, um, and Doctor Orpheus feels this way too. He's getting all of this attention. He has arches. You have to be a big deal to get an arch assigned to you, um, and like yeah. that's going to be part of Billy and uh, Billy and White's arc, you know, or purpose in this episode is to like ask, like, hey, do you want to, you know. Do you want to come and arch us? Are you tired of going after venture? But yeah, just this idea of being, you know, they're here to social climb as well, even though they're not associated with the guild. Well, and, and they, they are, you know, basically in doc's position. Yeah. So like there, there's two different contrasts going on here. One, Billy and Pete who have exactly as much qualifications as doc, but they don't have his legacy, Uh you know, so they don't have this. And then Dr. Orpheus who can do fucking magic. Right. (laughs) And he has, he has to look at at Dr. Venture getting all this attention. I mean, treated as a threat uh-huh. when he can raise the dead and shit yeah uh and that that's got to be a real slap in the dick you know like <laughs> i can levitate things like what is this mm-hmm. you know like why is this guy getting uh the, the big leagues like yeah it kind of fits <laughs> in with like one of the things about the show is this idea that you have all these superheroes and all these villains and literally all they ever do is just fight each other mm-hmm. like a kid like you very rarely see people trying to commit crimes you very rarely see people actually trying to like you know steal something or or it's always about the inter infighting which is why orpheus's powers is are almost like at least until he finds makes his own group are almost kind of useless because mm-hmm. it, he doesn't have an enemy so he doesn't have anything to do with it he just can kind of be yeah. a dad <laughs> yeah yeah and then i one of the things i love the show does later is when somebody isn't playing the game um <laughs> it's always it's very serious like when they yeah. move to new york and there are the people who actually do fucking crimes yeah you know or you run into like red death who's a fucking professional yeah <laughs> and it's like it's just like everyone's scared shitless of that dude uh-huh. you know because he it's like he's not really playing the game no no he you just know that co- we're all playing he comes this out a once a year for him. yeah yeah <laughs> oh um, man very good uh, little joke with Baron Underbite uh, going through the metal detector um, and having to take off his jaw, uh, you know, which is very disgusting. Like mm-hmm. somebody doesn't have a jaw. I think that, you know, that's probably not great. Um, big, big old it, tongue it, flopping down. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, just a tongue. Um, it's weird because he's covered metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. But, I was wondering yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, ask for a screen. Uh, for it. I think that's very cute. <laughs> yeah, is there a privacy screen? Yeah. And of course, everybody is uh, everybody is horrified by it. Um, uh, one little bit too, I want to call out before we move past it a little bit. When Doc is uh, talking to to Brock about this, uh, you know, when, every once in a while the show will drop something, and I want to know what it is because yeah. it, it's rich with reference. He says like nobody ever reads the Val packs. Mm. Did, did you guys know what a Val pack was? Oh yeah, I get those things all the time. Um, yeah. I, a, I did not until I looked it up. Yeah, so Valpac is a company that uh, it's, it's like junk mail. What they do is they send around um, like local mailers with coupons and stuff like that. So it's like a blue envelope that you get that you you know that just has just a bunch of coupons that you're never going to use because it's for businesses you've never heard of. Yeah, yeah, I used to get those when I was a kid. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just weird. I didn't know about it, and like every once in a while, I'll take an opportunity to look something up mm-hmm. that's mentioned in this show. Yeah. Uh, nobody ever reads the Valpac anyway. Yeah, Valpac so. would be the kind of thing that that Rusty would advertise in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, when Baron Nudger bites uh, Jaws off, Monarch uses that as a distraction to uh, to slip his dart shooter uh, into an agent's pocket. So uh, mm-hmm. we've got a weapon inside the compound here, and we also have Doc Ven- Doc Venture pulling a Homer Simpson and uh, and selling Doctor Orpheus's weed whacker. You know, back to him, mm-hmm. like uh, like Ned. Uh, Dr. Orpheus has to help uh, here with this stuff, and because he's very jealous, initially. Yeah. This is like when that, um, you know, when, when that thread uh, kind of starts. And this is where, during this whole thing is when we're getting all the, the, the walk-bys. Yes. Like all the cameos of mm-hmm. later characters, characters that are not end up being used, like mm-hmm. really amazing stuff. Like the guy with the, uh, the plug for yep. a face with the grounded outlet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it doesn't have face. a name. It's just plug face, man. Yeah, yeah Plugface Man, uh, Hate Bit. Love Hate uh, Bit. Who's, you know, Hate Bit's amazing. And then Chairman Wow, who is from the uh, pitch book. <laughs> yep. Um, who doesn't show up until way later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just a lot of like great little side characters, including some that I don't really know that we ever got named. There's like the dude with a cyborg arm. Yeah. Um, Henry, kind of, like, Henry a lot Danger, of I think his name is. Is that Henry yeah. Danger? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that's a like that that guy is like a uh, like an an in joke for the animation team. I think is what the gotcha. wiki says for them. Yeah, gotcha. Um, um, yeah. yeah, and there are a couple a of scientists. Pleasure. Like there's a there's a scientist in a, in a mechanized wheelchair, stuff like that. Like they're all just uh, yes. in in the background. Actually, I I can't imagine coordinate coordinating the animation for all of this. That's mm. that's a lot of detail to put in and send away and hope that it gets sent back right. So. The uh, the guy in the wheelchair is actually a character named Doctor Cribble, who mm-hmm. was cut from the pilot that they oh. used, using every part of the you know of what they did. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Monarch gives twenty one and twenty four their shopping list, um, and he gets the uh, gets the dart shooter out. But yeah, they're here to get stuff for the cocoon uh, because I mean we'll find out in the next season. Oh, most of their gear is stolen. <laughs> stolen yeah. from Sergeant Hatred. Uh, but uh, but 24 and 21 were brought along at least for a little purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk. This is introduces the Hank arc. Of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hank went from doing nothing. Yep. You know, just uh, kind of berating things to setting up a stand. Because mm-hmm. uh, he wants to get a, a little bit of that Do-Re-Mi. <laughs> um, setting up his Hank Goes Lemonade and Grinder world. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, so, so, yeah. So selling uh, so, selling slices off of a big old party sub. 
<laughs> slice um, of grinder his his speech his speech later i yeah we'll get to it but his speech later on about like how how the whole business works is amazing mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> um, yeah i just i love i love how hank's attitude because i feel like hank over the run of the series hank is generally happier than dean mm-hmm. um they both they both suffer a lot and like hank you know goes through goes through it so to speak but like dean is more self-aware whereas hank has this sort of like kind of just go with it and embrace whatever whatever happens is like he's just cheerful and happy about everything um like i just i love i love how that dynamic plays out i love how it like it, it kind of balances off of them here um just that yeah, that idea, yeah. His, his because well he like dean is aware self-aware enough that he can't in a way he's he's more like his dad because he's self-aware enough that he can't actually play the games that they're all doing because he, he knows deep down that it's all kind of stupid and weird and embarrassing mm-hmm. whereas hank actually fits in with this world um because he's actually he's already willing to just put on a costume whenever the opportunity arises because that's oh, yeah. It, yeah. And it's yeah. like a, like it's like it's like a state of frozen like a arrested development in that he can never get like really grow up like he always seems like more of a kid even as dean gets dean gets older but like he uh he's much more prepared and to be comfortable in this world out of everyone he's the most who's already basically a boy adventurer yeah <laughs> like yeah yeah he could have been rusty venture yeah yeah you know uh kid adventure pretty easily yeah um yeah. you know and them doing that contrast of like dean is the real world hank is this fake world yeah yeah like like both like neither yeah. of them are especially well adjusted but dean is more well adjusted for our world hank is more well adjusted for his world and like Hank's sensitivity, like where he where he ends up falling down, is that he needs like a closer connection to people than Dean does. Whereas Dean mm-hmm. needs kind of just more, you know, kind of like achievement, I guess. Hank mm-hmm. needs like a mm-hmm. situation to tell him what to be. Like yeah. Hank needs an outfit to put on. He needs like he needs like a dermot. He needs like uh, just a, a role to play. Whereas Dean actually has that horrible like self-awareness of like i'm going to be a person i have to actually figure out and like just realizing how miserable it is to be a person <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely oh gosh um, but um the the thing we, we talked about earlier about him going whole hog into the fiction so not only did he do this thing like come up with this little bit but there's a backstory to it and stuff mm-hmm. too like he sends <laughs> dean off for a break employee dean saying he can't risk another strike now we know <laughs> Uh, Hank Coe's Lemonade and Grinder world just appeared. Uh-huh. This isn't new. But later, he's like, there's a reason why he chose this neighborhood. Like, things like that. Like, he's he's playing pretend in a really deep way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, it's very sweet. Um, I also, I really like uh, when it cuts to the mid-conversation with Dr. Girlfriend turning down Billy and Pete. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's spoken for as an arch and them trying to sell it on her. Um, this is really, really good. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Billy going on at length about his, you know, hydrocephaly, cephaly, cephaly, did I get it right? Hydrocephaly, yes. Well, I got it right the first time. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the delivery, like he's, you know, he goes on at length and then Pete is going, and I'm an albino, <laughs> uh, is, is one of my favorite line reads in the whole series. Uh-huh. <laughs> you can kill him with a flashlight. You know? <laughs> yeah. So just, good. Oh, God, just, just making this desperate appeal like, oh, yeah, I'm smarter because look at me. My head's huge. And I'm, 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 I love how nice Dr. Girlfriend is about it. How like genuinely sweet. Like she's mm-hmm. not tr- like, she's not trying to be horrible about it. She's just like, mm-hmm. Oh boys, you know, I'm very flattered. Um, it's just, it's such a good dynamic. Yeah. It, it, uh, someday I'm sure you'll, fi- you'll make some villain very happy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's you know, obviously literally the, the language of turning somebody down for a date, Yeah, you know, or for a relationship. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my goodness! Uh, but Dean, uh, he you know he took his break, so you know he's not going to go on strike. He saw Triana. That, that that's why he wanted to leave. Uh, and he catches her. She's buying some comically large granny panties, and she's just along for the ride. She's 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 game for all of this. Yeah, those those have to be the boys' mom's panties, right? Maybe. Yeah, or or, or Rusty grandma. Likes, or yeah, Rusty hooked up with a grandma and stole them as a trophy or something. Mm, yeah. yeah. Who is Jonas Senior? Who was who? Who was Rusty's mom? Do we ever know that? I, I don't know. I don't think. I yeah. Don't, I don't think so. What are the oh, provenance God. of these panties? <laughs> take that. Take that clip. You, just, you know what? Uh, I, was, I was expecting <laughs> it to be like a joke to humiliate Dean. Like I was expecting him to go, "Oh yeah, I used to wear those when I was a kid because of some reason." And uh-huh. there, obviously, there's no reason for him to have worn those. But like, it has such the setup, the classic setup of, "Oh, there's this girl I like. Oh, she found something yeah. that's hideously embarrassing, mm-hmm. like a, a picture of him naked in a bathtub or something." Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh gosh. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's a fun little visual gag. Also a fun visual gag is Dr. Orpheus using his magic to bag some toys again for these yeah. frogmen, for these, uh, for these scuba divers who are in full scuba on land. Buying um, rock'em sock'em robots. Yes. <laughs> uh, the, uh, really, really good. Oh, <laughs> uh, but this is, this is where Dr. Orpheus expresses his, uh, his jealousy about, uh, about all the attention that, that Rusty gets. And he has a point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Monarch uh, bumps into Brock pretending to lose his contact and you think this is going to be his his bid to start shit mm-hmm. but really he just did this on a bet with Dr. Girlfriend yeah uh, the <laughs> bet was that he could get him to help yeah I, I just um, I love I love the way this sets up um, how how like God, I can I even express this? The idea that all these characters are aware of each other and they all like Brock Sampson has a reputation. Like everybody knows who mm-hmm. Brock Sampson is. Like it, it does, like this episode is really great in terms of like world building, just not necessarily specific characters, although we get like Phantom Limb and whatnot, but just in the sense that all these people are constantly aware of each other and making decisions based on what they know about each other, which is like it make it helps make them all seem that much more real, which is so important to the show. Yeah. I just like mm-hmm. the whole idea that you would like like it just seems like such a, a prank that you would do or like a, a real life thing that like everyone knows that Brock will fucking murder you. I'm sorry, fucking murder you. He tries to get him to pick up the contact yeah. lenses. Yeah. Yeah. Things. It's a dare. It's like that's, a very yeah. lived in, you know, their yeah. relationship. It's, it's like a, bar, yeah. that's like a bar bet. Like, Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I bet you I can't get five numbers by the end of the night or something like that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like a fratty kind of bar, bar bet kind of thing. Uh, just based on the understanding that Brock, when he's on the job, he's all business. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and that he would take offense at somebody bumping into him. Well, of course. You yeah. know, later mm. somebody, you know, earlier somebody called, made from his mullet and he came back to stab him. Right. So it's not a bad bet um, <laughs> that, that he would do that. Um, and this is also where Dr. Orpheus walks up and like the way that you flirt uh, mm-hmm. in this world <laughs> with, with villainy is just to go up and yeah. you know, prank somebody. Like he goes to the monarch. Punches him in the stomach, then gives him a, hot, a magical hot foot and hands over his business card. I love it. You know, I, uh, I love his business like, card. Really you can see the business card in the art book, and it's all. It looks. It looks like it looks like an escort's business card. It does. It's like all romantic font and everything. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's like a. It's like, it's it's like, like he, a went, he, he said he wanted to be able to make a business card for a gentleman of the night, and they misunderstood him, and this is what he got, and he just went with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh goodness! Yeah. Uh, so we have a little bit of a time cut. It's later in the afternoon, sun's lower, um, and uh, Billy is trying to haggle for a shrink ray, uh, and Rusty is impatient because Billy's like criticizing it. He's saying like, "Oh, this you have a you have a picture of a stick. You, you have a, a sticker of a shrink ray on the shrink ray, like." Oh, you 
can peel it off. Just just Rusty is completely over it. Yeah, yeah. it's a decal yeah, if you don't yeah. like it. Yeah, you know, and just like what, how you would indicate mm-hmm. that the shrink ray. <laughs> Um, you know, this is, uh, this, this episode has a few, uh, you know, no, yeah, great words. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah, one of them yeah. uh, that Billy well, uses. Get, um, there's a few of them actually. They get them in, in like episode. real quick. Like there's this one and then there's uh, a couple, like there's like later. Yeah. It was actually kind of surprising. Like, I, I mean, not to dwell on that too long, but it was very surprising that to hear like within rapid succession, I think Billy says most of them actually. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's a, it is, it is a bummer, but this little joke about like the shrink ray and how to label it <laughs> as yeah, such. Yeah. You know what? What the image is for shrinking yeah. is good. Um, and then we get again. This is like just how quotable this is. Do, the, very relatable of Doctor Girlfriend standing outside the porta potties because the monarch needs to use the, mm-hmm. the bathroom uh, here, and just him having all these trouble. It's like, uh, like you know, with this, like the toilet is two inches higher than the one at uh, home. Oh, I looked inside. Me off. <laughs> yeah, like, just how gross porta potties yeah. are. Oh, uh, I looked down. You know, so nasty. <laughs> yeah, I looked down. The uh, I the the classic gross porta potty name is Honey right, Bucket. Right. Oh yeah, that yeah. we have around yeah. here. Uh, there's a new one I noticed though called that has a little anthropomorphic guy, and it's called Willie, like the name Willie. Make it. And it shows a guy running to the porta potty. Oh, no. And it's this little character named Willie Make It. And you're supposed to be in doubt. Like, it's a lot of suspense from this logo. Are the door locks especially complicated? The toilet. (laughs) Yeah, they're all Jindosh locks. Like, they're all this little logic puzzle. They do this Rubik's Cube to get in. You don't know if Willie's smart enough to make it in. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, Porta potties are fucking gross, though. They are, yeah. Oh, God. Especially in summertime. Uh, but, But Monarch is. You know, in in this undignified situation, making lots of noise and complaints, and our first appearance of uh, Phantom Limb. Phantom Limb walks up mm-hmm. uh, and yep. basically starts like trying to sow discontent, saying, "Oh, a little birdie told me uh, that you were going to be leaving the monarch. That there's some uh, yep. some trouble in paradise here." The little birdie was another villain we're going to see later, Tiny Eagle. <laughs> yeah, but don't blame that on Tiny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tiny so good. Uh, um, given this is kind of before they had their their history. Yes, mm-hmm. you know it feels like um, fully laid out. Mm-hmm. So they definitely knew each other. It's implied, you know, after uh, she denies the rumor, says she's very happy, and then when the monarch comes out, she says, "I didn't even know him. Like that guy's a dick." Yeah. Um, but I don't know him. This is before we actually learn about Queen Etheria, right? And all of that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you know, again, one of the lines of the show here where she says how is it good uh she says not good he's like really i heard he goes oh it was all sound and fury signifying nothing um i say that like two times a week like it's 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 like it's a great reference it's very funny and it's also incredibly accurate like that is incredibly an experience everyone who has ever had to shit has had yeah totally in an uncomfortable situation it happens all the time here here i said all broken hearted yeah (laughs) Yeah. Ah, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, it's it just really, I mean, all Sound Fury signifying nothing is so good. <laughs> and like I said, like every, you know, 2004 was when I first saw this. And I say this like once or twice a week. Oh, yeah. yeah. And have basically since then. Well, have uh, you seen a doctor? <laughs> yeah, I said, yes. They're just like, we don't understand guts. <laughs> the human body's a mystery. Oh, that would be $100, surprised. please. Okay. I should probably stop going to Dr. Moron, the, the cloud MD. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's the only one your HMO covers. Can't prescribe. <laughs> honk, honk. Uh, it's weird that he always makes you, he always gives you a crayon afterwards to eat on the way home. Yeah, yeah. He's, he saw Patch Adams yeah. and then he just stuck with it. <laughs> <laughs> 
through thick and thin um (laughs) but yeah i just i love that line again it is one of my favorite kinds of things the mixture of high and low language the shakespeare quote to uh uh to 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 talk about talk about a a failed attempt at uh using the restroom just and it's such a clear evocation like the whole episode i think is dominated by the monarch's speak the monarch's conversations because he's so he has such a clear voice very early on in the show and it's such like a I, you very clearly you can very see that much see that the doc hammer really loves writing for the character yeah because it but just the dialogue it's so I, I don't even know how to describe it. it's just so distinct from anybody else on the show like there's a curt there's definitely a comic comedic voice on the venture brothers so characters will often sound a little similar but there's something about the monarch that he feels like the epitome of that voice mm-hmm. that sort of like yeah. constant snarky hellish awareness of how miserable everything is but just kind of going through it being my being basically mildly annoyed all the time yeah like yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) really really good um we get over to the hank's speech here uh where dean uh sold uh sold his part a slice of the grinder um but didn't didn't push the lemonade which is something is it because it sounds like it's a reference to something and i don't know if that's just because i've seen the episode so many times i i think i like i know it but like it sounds like a reference to something i got basically the same speech given to me probably no this was but this was a couple years before this episode aired i worked at one of my first jobs um uh like as a teenager uh it wasn't the no this wasn't the, the 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 golf course it was at the mall it was at the mall when I worked at a popcorn stand, and I oh. I liked the I liked the popcorn stand because the smell sold the product itself. People were like oh popcorn come up and they spend fifty to fifty cents on on a on a thing of popcorn sold itself. It was great, but my boss was this guy who really thought like we need to push the we need to push the candy corn or not the candy corn the 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 caramel popcorn okay. Um, you know, just like Cracker Jack kind of stuff. And he's like, and he, and he told me this stuff right here, you know, it's 50, it's 50 cents for like two, you know, two cents worth of, worth of popcorn. This over here, you need to sell this because it's five bucks for 25 cents worth of, worth of ingredients. You need to sell this. Um, and I didn't want to sell that. And, uh, that job didn't go well because, you know, yeah, I didn't want to sell. I'm sure that. you ran into that later at like GameStop too. Oh, of course, like, yeah. You have to, no, you have to you, sell you, the power card. Yeah, you have, yeah. You have yeah. to sell you the, to, the gamer, yeah. gamer so subscription. You, you, but just, but, but just, yeah. Being told, basically, being told as a kid to push the thing with margin. He, he, yeah, he, he, yeah. Like the fact that they're specifically referencing the, what is essentially a con, like yeah. that. This, the whole idea is we're setting them up to eat that. That, that feels like I, I don't know. It feels like me. It, yeah, it mm-hmm. probably it's probably a lived-in experience because everybody's had to work at a shitty job where you realize while you're working on it that capitalism is a horrible lie and we're all doomed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah. I love that that Hank has internalized this so much that he yeah. just instantly takes to it. Yeah. Like it's kind of a sophisticated idea for a 13-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like, we sell this so we can so we can charge them two dollars yeah. for ten cents worth yeah. of sugar. The water. is a lost leader. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, what does that? mean yeah um yeah the, the passion is incredible like it's just just really really good i also have an affection for this lizard guy uh-huh. who just shows up a lot in the background but never really gets anything to do oh does he like, get, is he the one who gets melted later i don't i don't think so i, I think okay. that's a different dude because he's wearing different clothes oh, the guy's wearing okay. a lab coat yeah uh the guy who would like to press charges <laughs> <laughs> um so the monarch you know needs to use the bathroom he needs right. to find a real toilet um, he wants to cause a distraction. Um, first, he asks 
doctor girlfriend to do it, but she's like, I don't know how. He's like, come on, like anybody could do cause a distraction here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way he does it is by shooting uh, Baron Underbite with, with a little pellet. Um, but then we also get introduced to another character who will become important later, Augustus mm-hmm. St. Cloud. Uh, here for the first time, who, you know, just the way this episode is like endlessly quotable, mm-hmm. like the yeah. whole girly mags. <laughs> Sarah Michelle Gillar. Gillar. But yeah, like, you know, Baron Underbread thinks that Augustus St. Cloud did it, so he kicks him. Uh, he slams into the guy for the with the plug for the power, uh, with the power plug for the head, and so on. And this ultimately like leads to that, to that one scientist being turned into the green goo, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, as the intangible fancy is being uh, handcuffed <laughs> uh, for it, um, the uh, twenty-one uh, at the same time buys a lightsaber mm-hmm. uh, from Doctor Venture. He thinks it's a real one. He's using all the monarch's money, um, you know. And uh, Doctor Venture's like, "Oh, you like that, huh?" Uh, mm-hmm. get, get, you know, kind of rejected him from the prototype phase, and the military didn't want them because they don't sword fight anymore. Like it was, <laughs> kind of was kind of like it was like a million dollars or five billion dollars. Yeah, two per, million dollars in parts <laughs> yeah. alone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then of course it doesn't work. Yeah. Like that's you know the ultimate uh, uh-huh. stinger on that. Yep. Oh gosh. Um, but yeah, it gets over, gets over to, uh, Dr. Orpheus. Orpheus wants to fight Rusty's like, no, I just, this, I know what to do for this. I'm going to go inside. Let's go back to back, <laughs> you know, and I'm not going back to back with anyone, <laughs> you know, uh, you go inside, protect the home front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's surprisingly well-adjusted episode for Rusty. Like, yeah. He's, he's mm-hmm. just, he's just sort of above it all. Like he's just kind of like, because like he, he's not actually trying to exist in the normal world. He's engaging with all these weirdos and freaks that he doesn't really like, but can't find a place outside of. So mm-hmm. he just sort of hangs out and makes his money and just sort of like, let's all happen around him. It's great. Yeah. He's, he's just, he's willing to make it everybody else's problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, one of the other weird little, just like background gags uh mm-hmm. when they're when they're buying uh 21 is buying the lightsaber um they're also selling a really specific duran duran shirt oh yeah uh, for an album called seven and the ragged tiger mm-hmm. which is where the reflex comes from <laughs> so if, if you're thinking about the reflex by duran duran yeah. it comes from that album so okay uh yeah it's very specific yeah. detail you know <laughs> god i just love all this old crap yeah. yeah, I also yeah. love Monarch and Doctor Girlfriend being in uh, b- b- being in the belly of the beast, being in Rusty's master suite. Uh, yeah, this this. Yeah. I mean, you guys quoted it last week, but just the, the it is the most the most incredible insult ever. What can I do to this guy? The life has it done already. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just that that line. It's like the whole show. It's like mm-hmm. so perfect. Yeah, big thesis. And yeah. I feel like the the last episode, um, which I don't think has come out yet, but we just recorded it about um, are you there, God? It's me, Dean. Mm-hmm. Um, is showing the monarchs version of that. Yeah. Like they are yeah. really good foils for each other because they're entirely defined by each other and t- entirely defined by mediocrity and failure. <laughs> like yeah. the, the monarch having this shitty birthday party where he's incredibly bored because he can't do the one thing he likes to do mm-hmm. is not that less pathetic than, than what's going on here with doc. Yeah. Yeah. It's you like know? one of the, Oh, sorry. Uh, just one of the thing, one of the mysteries of the early show for a while is they they don't they like keep saying, well, why do you hate him so much? And he says, oh, I have my reasons, and it's all this big mystery. But like it, one of the reasons that works as a mystery is because you don't really need to have it explained. Right. Like the answer yeah. is eventually amazing, but like you, it's so obvious because they're basically the same person. That's why it's why Doctor Girlfriend is so like has, is like sympathetic towards Rusty. She's not attracted to him because he's mm-hmm. a pathetic, weird loser, but she's sympathetic towards him because they like the monarch and Rusty have the same basic. Pr- 
personality type. Mm -hmm. It's just that the monarch is a little bit better adjusted because he decided to actually embrace the fantasy that he's stuck in, while Rusty is just constantly like battering his head against it because he can't be better than what he actually is. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which is why the ending of the show is so amazing. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but just the, the the fact that, you know, the monarch is here and he gets to see it. Like, Rusty doesn't get to see the, the, the bad birthday party, but like, mm. just... Rusty's yeah, yeah. Rusty's patheticness, or at least you know, just kind of like how how lackluster everything is. It, it is so profound that it causes an existential crisis for the monarch himself. Like, like, yeah. like, just literally, what yeah. do I do here? You know, like, uh, like nothing I nothing I destroy would actually take anything of value away from him. He's like, he's dangerously close to becoming self-aware. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. He, so he settles on like, oh, I'm going to use his restroom and then not flush. Like, let yeah. him see the wrath of the monarch. <laughs> yeah. Who who am I if this guy is this? Yeah. yeah. If this yeah. is who he is, who am I? Yeah. You know, uh, uh, really, really kind of death stuff for mostly being about jokes about you know fucking bottom shelf in somebody's <laughs> toilet you know or like having sex on his bed and making them him like writhe in their biological afterwards or whatever he says uh, is it genetic something genetic yeah, yeah genetic, genetic, genetic leavings, leavings or yeah, yeah. leavings yeah. yeah let's make some stains <laughs> um you know uh but neither, neither of them into it they're having this kind of ennui um, outside Brock is, uh, you know, fighting the power plug guy, just beating everybody up <laughs> where 21 walks up to him uh, to challenge him to a fight and does the star Wars kid yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. dance from the viral video, mm-hmm. um, which I love how that places this in time. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. they also talked about, there's a guy with a computer for a head. And the reason why they did that was because of the Fensler films. Like I'm a computer, I'm a computer, like yeah. G.I. G.I. Joe edits, and it's like, yeah, that was what it was like in 2004. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is I all remember. We did. Oh, God, those yeah. heady days. Too bad your ass got sad. <laughs> Man, remember, you remember back when, like, like, viral videos or memes would last for longer than, like, 20 minutes on Twitter? Dude, oh, like, yeah. like yeah. stuff would go on for, like, weeks at a time. Like, you could, uh-huh. you could like, mail them home or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we had, like, we had, like, a full season of Fenthler films. It was, like, <laughs> five months of that. <laughs> like, the cycle was so long. Uh-huh. Um, long enough for the entire like for them to like conceive of and animate a tv show yeah um yeah, yeah. So, yeah so just incredible stuff uh because the star wars kid moves mm-hmm. uh, here and turns out the lightsaber does not work right right uh which is great like i still would love this laser beam that doesn't kill anything but just looks cool it, it um, ends it ends at a yeah. point that's impossible yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's super impossible uh i'm kind of surprised that brock doesn't kill him right yeah uh it's, at this point doesn't seem like what something brock would do it, it feels like they're actually kind of in the like well i mean this episode was written earlier so you can't really say that they're coming into the character but it feels more like a later season brock that he doesn't murder him like it feels it, it does feel yeah it, it feels in the context of the first season it does kind of have like that vibe of um oh these characters are going to be important so we can't actually have brock murder them or we're going to mm-hmm. use yeah. these guys again um but yeah it's actually kind God. of a weirdly sweet moment. Like he's just sort of like, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not even going to bother. Yeah. <laughs> You're below. Yeah. You know, I, just, I can kind of like retcon it and say like, Oh, 21 has been around forever. Brock has probably run into him before. So like he understands that he's harmless. And of course, Brock yeah. knows when he's looking at this thing that it's not actually a dangerous toy. So it kind of doesn't matter that 21 thought he was going to kill Brock. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he knows it's not going to work, <laughs> you know, because Doc built it. Yeah. Um, when they when they switch over to, uh, you know, the monarch and Dr. Girlfriend inside, there's an amazing image here where they find this family portrait. Mm-hmm. 
Um, mm. Here, that thing is incredible. That's also in the art book of like Dean in his like little cowboy doing like a like a tiger beat pose dressed up as a cowboy. <laughs> yeah. And like Hank in an ugly Christmas sweater and Brock trying to smile. Brock's like it's an smile amazing is so image. good. That grimace that he has on. <laughs> I, I would love to have like a print of that that was the size of the portrait mm-hmm. with yeah. a frame just on the wall. That would be awesome. That'd be a yeah, really like, cool it, piece of like merch. And one of the, I, one of the things I love about it is like a subtle runner through the whole show, and I don't think they ever really get into it, is is nobody ever really asks why does Rusty have kids? Like he yeah. goes, he goes to great efforts to keep those kids alive. Um, well, <laughs> technically speaking, like keep Avery <laughs> of those kids alive. Um, and like it caught, like he obviously he doesn't seem to really like them that much. He, he sort of eventually kind of comes around to liking Dean a bit, and I don't think he hates the kids, but I think it's one of the most important things about the character that they actually keep really low key is that he's just trying to follow in his father's footsteps in every possible way, even yeah. though he hates it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, stuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah. but uh, but but uh, Monarch and Doctor Girlfriend are in the lab, and just yeah, they can't they, they they can't bring themselves to do anything. This is where we get the line: "What can I do, this guy that life hasn't done already?" Um, and Doctor Girlfriend thinks, "Okay, this is probably the time." Like, hey, we we need to talk. Uh, getting ready yeah. to have this the, mm-hmm. this relationship talk because the rumors are true um, that, uh, that, yeah. that that Phantom Limb was what uh, was kind of hinting at before. Yeah, that she's unsatisfied, and this will play out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of back and forth. Um, and you know, he—they're all at their lowest moment. But then the uh, the guys, the uh, the Secret Service style agents, mm-hmm. break in. He pulls. It looks like he's going to attack Doctor Girlfriend, but really, this is what gives him his his groove back. <laughs> and he does a monarch monologue mm-hmm. um, here, you know, about a very like from Hell's Heart, I Sabbathy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of kind of thing. Oh, the animation here. The animation yeah, and the yeah. angle. That, like, it's not, um, we haven't really talked, I guess, well, you guys have already addressed it in earlier episodes. The animation in the episode, there's like a lot, it's better than a lot of the first season stuff, but it's still, the pacing and the timing always feels a little bit airless. But yeah. like, every so yeah. often, they'll get like an angle, and it just, I don't even know if they would actually do this later in the show, because it's a little too grotesque, but just like the the slight, like, you're looking up at him, and the way his, like, his face looks, he almost looks huge, and then you see Dr. Girlfriend standing in the background just looking a little bit uncomfortable. It's amazing. His, uh, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. The, his, his pose, the, the that they mm. puts on like it's a i mean doc hammer has cited this as a as an inspiration for him like it's the reason why the the cold opens are all in this really restricted letterbox but like there's definitely kind of an anime uh kind of vibe to some of the poses that he does uh when he's mm. doing his villain speech kind of thing and some of those canted angles like extreme low angle uh kind of compositions that are there so like yeah it's definitely extremely heightened in a way that feels pulled f- from from that from that kind of media Mm-hmm. It always it always read to me, and this isn't just Gary being anti anime. Uh, it always read to me <laughs> as old like sixties Marvel comics. Mm-hmm. Like it looks like Jack Kirby art to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it has the heart. Like the lines and the angles are really harsh. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like yeah, it just like that's kind of how uh, the Fantastic Four used to look. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we, we uh, also um, just sorry briefly before I forget, we do see also Mister Impossible in here, don't we? Like in the oh, background. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, in the earlier, just just hey, professor, up. please. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I'm so yeah. sorry. I'm so sorry. Don't we get into we don't want to get into doctor discourse. You're going <laughs> on Twitter, yeah. He's not a real professor. <laughs> <laughs> Kiddo. Oh God, kill uh, me now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Doctor um, Discourse, yeah. fuck this planet. <laughs> doctor, I'm Doctor. Hello, I'm Doctor Discourse. Doctor Discourse should be a Venture Brothers villain. <laughs> <laughs> Do- getting Discourse to Doctor Discourse. <laughs> um, 
Oh gosh! But when he finishes his speech, he uh, he 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 throws down a smoke bomb and he he grabs Doctor Girlfriend and grapples out, or so we mm-hmm. think, because the post credits yeah. you know stinger gag is like all he did was go up to the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, and they have I'm to like, hang there until everybody I'm, leaves. I'm torn about this gag because it's really funny in terms of the way it undercuts that speech, but it's also sort of like no one looked up. Like, like it, it, it's almost yeah. straight. Like, it just strains plausibility just enough that I noticed. Like, I don't... I, I'm glad they put the joke in there. It's not even really a criticism, but I just sort of like... Mm-hmm. It, they're, they're not... that The ceiling isn't that high up, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's also a little bit of like a straight putt easy joke. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. like, you know, using the grapple hook and just like, you know, it doesn't always go somewhere. Yeah. Uh, as kind of a thing. It does have that, like, we had to end the episode. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. while this is happening, there's a huge battle happening out on the yard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, because it's the Venture Brothers, that's not what we're going to spend time on. No, no. We're yeah. going to spend time on the the real-life uh, consequences of this, you know, larger-than-life action. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it reminded me a lot of, there's that Simpsons joke where uh, Homer is staying up to eat the 64 slices of American cheese, <laughs> you know, and Mr. Burns and Smithers get stuck on the ceiling. Uh-huh. Uh, during <laughs> yeah, it, there's yeah. like basically the same joke. Yep. Yeah. Uh, when they're trying to steal Bobo. Yeah. Um, you know, which is I'm not saying that they stole it or anything. No, it just, no, it's just, a, it's, it's, it's kind of the, the uh, 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 similar. Yeah. But I, think, like, I think what makes it, makes it specific to the Venture Brothers is the fact that he has to take, to talk to, to Dr. Girlfriend, like just mm-hmm. her kind of like completely over it look. Uh, and he's, and he's yeah. just like, and I love how like the whole episode he's like, he's not, you, you really have an interesting conversation about what kind of boyfriend he is because he's like, he's not, I don't think he necessarily cruel to her, but there is this general sense of like him not being completely oblivious because he's so caught up in his own shit that like, he doesn't even realize that this might like, he's mildly embarrassed, but he doesn't realize that this might be incredibly uncomfortable and like, kind of like not, not a great yeah, thing yeah. to do with your, yeah. with your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this this is me being a million years old, but all I could think about were the ergonomics of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Like, man, yes. my back would hurt. Oh, God. <laughs> like, your your arm that. would be, like, pulling out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I was saying the yeah. fact that a grappling hook powerful enough to pull you up would also yank your shoulder out of its, out of its socket. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So this is really yeah. body horror is what this is. This yeah. is like a nightmare. All right. No, all right. I, I like it yeah. more. Yeah. It's, it's like the Ben yeah. 10 <laughs> Stories episode, The Squat. Yeah. It's very similar to the squat. Like, yeah, yeah like just having to hold a position for. Oh my God. You know. I, guys, I've tried watching that show. I got through the second episode. It gave me a nightmare. Oh, <laughs> oh that, my that, God. That's, that's, the, that's a real the, speed bump. Yeah. I read that, the plot uh, summary of like, what is it? Uh, well, you'll, I'm looking forward to hearing you guys talk about Tornado because uh-huh. I read the plot summary of that and my. Hey, why do I keep censoring myself? My fucking God. That's a, ah. yeah. and everybody it's everybody a, there's a listen to the on. bedtime stories episodes. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is referring to Unfilmable, mm-hmm. our yes. uh, Patreon bonus show, which uh, is uh, at five bucks a month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So join us there. Um, that, that's basically the end of the episode mm-hmm. uh, there. Uh, what, what a segue into plugs. Exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> segue Lord. Mm. Um, do we have any other wrap up thoughts on this, uh, this episode before we uh, move on? No, I, I I don't. I mean, I like the uh, I, you know I think that this the the this is jo- this is joke heavy, and I forgot how much this kind of laid track for the interesting relationship dynamics between Monarch and Doctor Girlfriend. I forgot how much of that mm-hmm. was actually kind of the movement that happens here. Like like that's what this episode moves forward. Yeah, I, yeah. I just I think I I pretty much said most of what I my piece. I just I love the feeling that this episode gets of. The fact that you're 
it, like the whole show is about living in the shadow of greatness, living in what like the memories of what things used to be. In its way, it's like it's um oh god, it's it's as much like the it's kind of like the Sopranos in that way, mm-hmm. and that like we're all basically looking back at when, when America used to be great, when we were heroes, when we could believe in ourselves. And now you're just stuck with all this crap. Um, all, the, all this yeah. stuff, even if it's like incredibly powerful crap, it's meaningless. It doesn't get you what you want. It doesn't make you happy. And so you have like, it's not a really, a, a, he- a rusty heavy episode, which I was surprised about because uh, I will say that Rusty is actually my favorite character on the show. Um, so I, was, I wasn't disappointed, but I was like, oh, this isn't actually a, a big rusty one. Um, but it is, it like, it's basically so fundamental in his character. It's like, it's, we're all living in this, they're all living in this world of like, you're just picking over the remains of, of what used to be. And like, there's, yeah. it's, and there's like an inherent like recognition of that. And it's not so sad that it's miserable. Like, I don't come away from the show feeling depressed. Um, but it's one of the it's one of the things that I love the most about venture by this is finding this humanity in. And again, this isn't like I'm not trying to say this is deeply moving or anything, but finding this this fundamental humanity and recognition in this feeling of of never being able to live up to the standards that you that they like came before you never being able to actually like be the hero anymore. Just having all the like, you know, crap at a yard sale that you buy for maybe five bucks. Yeah. Um, it's it's yeah. just great. It's just so it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for for me, this is I love this uh, episode kind of introducing the where's Waldo aspect of this show, like <laughs> mm-hmm. just kind of like searching the background for cameos, uh, you know, that are meaningful, like, you know, these characters are, but also just incredibly fun visual gags. Like as somebody who, you know, one of the things I'm learning from from this whole bit is that I am such a fan of the way that, uh, uh, you know, uh, Jackson public does character design, Mm -hmm. like just Mm -hmm. his drawings and concepts are, you know, just incredible to me. Like that, that tick DNA of like, what if there is a pun villain and it's just a silly image and that's it, Mm -hmm. um, is incredibly powerful to me. And this is one of the first episodes that's like, really feels like not about that, but it's a major component, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Love it. Very good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Zach, uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Where can people find you? Oh, sure. Um, I have a Twitter account, uh, Z Hanlon, where I whine a lot about things and I'm sarcastic. Um, I still am doing reviews for the AV Club. So I, uh, I'm reviewing Star Trek Discovery now. And um, I, got, I had a review of The Expanse, basically sci-fi stuff. But you Occasionally I'll pop up on the page. I have a Patreon. Unfortunately, it's a Patreon with a very, very limited interest <laughs> set. Um, it's, it's about Star Trek Voyager and only Star Trek Voyager because I haven't gotten off my ass to do anything else. But if you like Star Trek Voyager, boy, do I have a Patreon for you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's uh, again, it's just Z Hamlin. Um, and if I guess if you if you like X-Files, um, I also co-wrote a book um, of, of reviews of every episode of the X-Files oh, nice. uh, Monsters of the Week. Um, it's got really actually speaking of great artwork, it's got really amazing artwork um and it's pretty it's comprehensive it's reviews of everything um and that is available whatever fine products are sold um and i think that is about it cool yeah that's awesome yeah yeah i should i've been meaning to do an x-files rewatch for a long time and if i do i'll definitely pick that up no, thank you. and uh yeah kind of move through oh, yeah yeah actually let me know if you ever if you want, want a free copy because i can always mail one <laughs> I, that, you know as somebody who is also <laughs> Uh, has a book. I am very familiar with the garage yeah, yeah. full of copies of a book. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, I can't, I can't even like sign them and give them out to people because it's a co-authored book. So it'd be like a disappointing uh, gift. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eventually when I'm burning copies of atomic for warmth, uh, ironically, <laughs> yeah. like I'm looking, looking forward to that. Just eating yeah. the glue uh, that binds the pages. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> the uh, but yeah, uh, you should definitely do that. If you're on our Slack, uh, which you can do, we mentioned the Patreon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach, you're also really active in the Slack. Yeah. So the so Slack people is great. This, I'm yeah. sure it'll be a, be yeah, a treat definitely. for people. Support these guys. The Slack is wonderful. It's it's a it's a really welcoming and warm and friendly community. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a really a bit of balm in these troubled times. Um, whenever I am too sick of Twitter to be on Twitter, I can just go to the Slack and hang out with people who don't shout about stupid things. Yeah. Yeah, they're not on Twitter. It's not yeah, Twitter. Yeah, everybody. it's amazing. <laughs> it's got that going for it. How do you do it. that? <laughs> uh, yeah. If, uh, if you want to support us, we mentioned patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. You get episodes of this a week early. Mm-hmm. Um, you also get a bunch of bonus shows. Uh, you can uh, support us by doing that. You can support us by telling your friends. You can support us by leaving a rating review on Apple Podcast or Podcast Addict or anywhere you find reviews. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, is that, that's that thing. That's it. Think uh, so. This will come out after Duckstream. Um, is that correct? Y- yes. yes. N- not necessarily. Yeah. It will come out a little bit after Duckstream. So it's been a couple of weeks. But uh, I think that it's not too. Uh, it is not too premature to say thank you to everybody who uh, watched and contributed. Yeah, we really appreciate you. Hopefully, it went well. Yeah. Uh, we record all these things before the yeah. thing, uh, and it's just like you know, I just always think about them being played in a documentary later. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, <laughs> they the, the, know what horrible events yeah. we're waiting for. Well, well no, I mean, yeah, we'll, just we'll, ironic voiceover. Yeah, no, we'll we'll, we'll record the version uh, in case things go bad after this. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just we always knew it was going to be a tragedy. Yeah, <laughs> we were whistling past the we graveyard did. for all those years, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like our luck had run out. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and until next time, go, go to adventure. adventure. Mm, they always do that. <laughs> 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 uh.